Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Dr. Angela Loria, founder of The Author Incubator. And if you want to learn how to produce world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Angela Loria. Angela is the founder of the Author Incubator and creator of the Difference Process for writing a book that matters. She's been helping people free their inner authors since 1994, and she's helped over 1,000 authors in transformation write, publish, and promote their own books. Angela is a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author of five different books. She has a BA and an MA in journalism and media affairs from the George Washington University and a PhD in communications from the European Graduate School and lives in Washington, D.C. Guys, it's going to be an amazing conversation. I love having conversations with people that went and invented their own career for themselves, especially that early on uh, in the online game. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation you're going to want to stick around for. But first, really quickly, if you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur and you understand how powerful a podcast could be for your business, but you're just not exactly sure how to put one together. You don't have the time, team, or resources to dedicate to it to try to figure it out. Then have me and my team do that for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. We'll jump on a phone call to see if we would be a good fit to build out a show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients. And we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. 
podcast. Angela, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, ma'am. Let's go ahead and dive right in here and uh, go to the beginning. I'm talking beginning now, Angela. We're going to build some context for the people listening. Talk to me about 10, 11-year-old Angela. What was life like for you? Like parents, social? Yep. We're going all the way back. Yeah. School. Did you like it? Academics? I was a library nerd. So my best friends were the reference librarians at the Wallingford Public Library. I remain friends with them to this day. All right. Um, Nice. And I spent most of my time at the library. I was pretty unhappy as a kid and Mm. books were kind of an escape for me. Yeah. So I wrote my first book at 13. Wow. Um, It's called Soul Searching. That's awesome. At age 13. Soul Searching at 13. When you were were going to the library, were you reading primarily like fiction or nonfiction or was it one or the other? I read both, but I really early on, thanks to Oprah, got into nonfiction. So I found Marianne Williamson and a lot of the authors that um, Oprah featured when I was super young and unhappy. So I went straight to the self-help section and that's where I remain today. Where do you think that unhappiness came from as a kid? I think I was just pretty much born unhappy. I was Hmm. like born in the wrong town to the wrong family. I hated being a kid. I really wanted to be an adult. Hmm. I hated doing like kid things. I'm not very compliant. So authority when you're younger. I hear that. (laughs) The system and I just thought everyone was dumber than me and uh, (laughs) felt the need to tell them that frequently. So I was just cranky about having to be a kid. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you grew up really fast. Yeah. Well, books were a big like teacher for me and motivator. And I came up with a lot of my dreams and goals from reading yeah, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, so I was always fascinated with that and Did, went to school for journalism. Was that totally natural? Meaning that were you that interested in books and reading and learning and knowledge just totally naturally? Or was there anything in your life, your like parents or teacher or somebody who instilled that curiosity at all? I think it was 99.99% natural. But I will say mm-hmm. my mom fostered it. The only thing that was like unlimited in my house was books. So my mom would always say like, I'll always buy you a book. Nice. You know, like if I ever wanted a book, I could get a book. So, That's such a good rule though. Like, so, so basically like if you want a toy, we're not going to buy you a toy just for the sake of buying a toy, but right. anytime you want a book, I'll buy you a book. Yeah. It's funny. Cause, um, my questions, my line of questioning always changes with like what I'm going through. You know what I mean? Kind of right. in a selfish way, but I, I know that my audience, you know, there's some people out there who want to hear the same things, but I'm a dad now and my son is, she's just about a 14, 15 months right now. And then my wife is pregnant with our second who is due in November. So now anytime I get any sort of like insights into parenting, I'm always like, oh, that's a good one. We need to you know store that away. So that was kind of a selfish question there. So let's get back into your story here. So you end up going to college for journalism. So very for much... journalism. Okay. So, so I was into a few things as a kid. I was into books mm-hmm. and I was into music. Okay. And I was particularly into activist bands. So I was really into Live Aid, if you remember the whole, you're probably too young for that, but raising money for the famine in Ethiopia. Hmm. I got really into that whole thing and actually started my first business was a charity raising money for Live Aid. 
to give money to Live Aid. So I got into activism and journalism was a place where my love of books and writing and my love of activism came together. I wanted to be like an investigative journalist. Wow. Okay. And went to school for that in Washington, D.C. in the early 90s and happened to have a boyfriend who had a minor in computer science and told me about this information superhighway thing, which seemed crazy. And I was on the internet in 92, 93. And when I was about to graduate in 94, I did this investigative piece on the internet. It was not called the internet then. We called it the information superhighway or the web, the World Wide web. But I wrote this paper. It was actually the first half of my senior year about how the internet was going to change investigative reporting. And nobody was writing about that yet. It was like way, way, way at the beginning. The only reason I knew was I had this kind of nerdy boyfriend. And my professor got a call from a journalist who is a very well-known Pulitzer Prize, New York Times bestselling author in D.C., who's an investigative journalist. And the famous author called and said, do any of your students know about the internet? And I Mm. had just turned in this paper. There were no classes. People were writing on word processors. Like nobody was talking about this except me in this paper. So I was the only one my professor could think of to recommend. Mm -hmm. And that was how I got my first job in 1994, working for this very well-known author, I became a research assistant and later a ghostwriter. I ghostwrote 29 books and spent, depending on how you count, 17 to 19 years as a freelance writer, editor, book marketer, just kind of bouncing from one job to the next. Gotcha. So it wasn't just with that one author then. It was you were kind of moving around. Yeah, he referred me to someone else. He referred me to someone else. And I never had a business name. I didn't know I had a business. Yeah, right, right. Um, No one told me I was a business owner. (laughs) I just, for almost 20 years, went, from referral to referral, job to job. It was all about my network. Hmm, Interesting. Um, You say it's all about your network. Right? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't even know. I mean, I wasn't reading books or listening to podcasts on how to build a network. I didn't know I had a network. Like I was just, people would call me and be like, hey, will you write this book? And I would say yes. So That's what happens when you're good at what you do, huh? Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is 
The fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So from this freelancing part of your career, at what point would you say you finally realized, okay, I am a business owner and I need to treat this as if I am a business owner? Well, that's why I say it's 17 to 19 years. 17 years into my freelance career, I was sort of waiting for my life to start. I was just taking one book job to the next book job. And I was like, at some point, I'm going to get a real job here. And then (laughs) almost two decades had passed. And I was just about to turn 40. So I was 37. So not just about, but I'm going to be 40 when someday (laughs) I can see it. I was like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up because I'm going to be 40 and I still haven't gotten a job. Yeah. And so I went on a quest and I started starting a company about 17 years in. And it took me about two years to figure out how to start a company. I didn't really, I got it. I kind of got it all wrong at first. So a month before I turned 40, I started the author incubator. So it took me a little, there was a little dance figuring it out. There's some, Uh, yeah, a little bit of time in between there. Yeah, for sure. I was still taking freelance jobs, but I was trying to start the company, but I was doing- You were bootstrapping. Things, not very well. (laughs) So in February of 2013, we launched the Author Incubator. I say we, but at the time it was just me. Now we've got about 20 employees and about 10 million in revenue. We've published over a thousand books, like 1,200 books, all to Amazon bestseller status. We've made 22 millionaires. 76% of our authors generate 100K or more from their books. Wow. So we kind of know what we're doing now, seven years in. Just a little bit. Do you remember a certain point along that path, Angela, where things started to really take off? Like, was it being in an industry for that long, for two decades, and knowing all the people that you knew, I'm sure there was a little bit of a foundation that was already built that allowed you to kind of step into that business owner role and really start taking off with it. But was there a point along there where you were like, wow, this is going extremely well? You know what I mean? Was there ever like a point where you looked back and realized that? There were a few turning points. So when we launched, I came up with what I thought was a brilliant plan. I had three products. I had a product for before, if you haven't written your book yet, to help you figure out what your book is. I had editing services if you were in the middle of writing and you needed someone to help you edit. And then I had publishing services. And it was very obvious. You went to the site. Have you written your book? Are you in the middle of writing it? Did you already write it? Pick one of these buttons and it'll work. And it did not work. Interesting. It was actually three totally different audiences, three marketing messages, the avatars. So it was sort of a disaster. And the first accidental breakthrough I had was a Hail Mary pass. I was about to give up. So opened my company February 3rd. By August, I had made 10 grand 
I was $54,000 in debt. My credit mm. cards were maxed out. I had a job offer on the table that was $200,000 a year. Mm. And I had to make a decision whether or not to take the job. And I did a Hail Mary pass on a program that for some ridiculous reason, I called Kindle Singles, which you'll know I do not have the trademark to call my program that. Um, <laughs> but I now look at this email and it cracks me up. It's got like the Amazon logo and branding all over it. I had no idea what I was, it was yeah, just right. dumb. And I sent this email and I was like, hey, who wants to write a book in three months? It's going to be finished 90 days, start to finish everything. It's going to include planning the book, writing the book, editing the book, publishing the book. All three of my programs combined, we're going to do it in 90 days. 100% of people are going to finish. We're going to do it as a cohort. I'm taking five people. We start on Monday. You have to pay in full and you have to pay today. And those payments equaled one month of salary at this new job that I got on. And I was like, if I can make a month of salary in a day, yeah, and I won't take this job offer. And on that day, 10 people signed up, not five. Wow. I had two months of salary, bought myself a little bit more time. And that was the first turning point, which was late August of 2013. We started that program yeah. in September of 2013. All those books published, all 10 of them finished, and they published in December of 2013. And at that point, I knew I had something. So that was the first turning point. Turning point number one was really all about clarity around what you do for people. Instead of just like, oh, whatever you need, we do this and that. Come to my website and then you tell me what you want to buy. Shop around, yeah. You buyer, you do all the work. I'm not going to tell you what I'm the best at. I'm not going to tell you what the result is. You do all the work. And in the buying process, tell me yeah. what the product is, tell me how much it should cost, you know, beg me to work for you. And what happened with my first breakthrough was like 90 days, book done, out in the world, finished. Like, yeah. here's the result. And it was so clear. And you could see the minute I sent the email, like my PayPal was dinging. By yeah. the way, I had no website because my website said all different shit. A million different prices. I think I had a hundred different free giveaways. I just kept making free giveaways. So Hmm. you could get my, you know, meditations and white papers and free classes. And God, I had to have 30 free classes up there. So (laughs) it was a website full of free stuff to confuse you. Yeah. Right. And then where I made all my money, no website. So that was breakthrough number one. I absolutely love this one because this breaks down how simple it is to start bringing in some revenue. And it sometimes it's just as simple as getting much more clear on what it is that you do for somebody. What is the exact problem that you are going to solve for the exact person? And then who is the exact person that you're going to solve that problem for. And then reach out to that person and let them know that you can solve their problem. And then see if people are interested in that thing. And that's all it was really, is you were just like, hey, world, you know, here's the exact problem that I solved for you. You had some really positive responses, able to bank a little bit of money from there. Okay, so now what's after that? So you, you have- I should say one more thing, because yeah, I think please. there were 327 people on my email list and about a thousand Facebook fans. Perfect. So I was uh, not like I was, you know, yeah, You didn't have 25,000 people on your list and yeah, right, right. exactly. 
no Facebook ads, no website. There was yeah. no campaign. The whole email, which has typos in it. Um, <laughs> so it's like, if you want to applying, reply here or something. Like it's horrible. Yeah. Trademark violations that I didn't <laughs> even know were trademark. Right. The program had no name. Yeah. Like no name, no website, no Facebook spend, 327 people on my list. Then what happened is I had the problem of success. For the next year, I had a lot of clients. My mm. program was sold out 10 people month after month. You're running it every 90 days or yeah, every month? I was month? running it every 90 days at first. Eventually okay. I went rolling. But when I did my numbers at the end of the year, I made $60,000. In profit? In profit. My gross revenue was $250,000. So this is 2014 you're talking about? This is 2014. It was the last quarter of 2013 and Mm -hmm. then the first three quarters of 2014. I did about 250 grand in gross revenue. I wasn't paying myself. I didn't have bank accounts. Got it, got it. Everything was just going into my personal PayPal account. You know, I didn't have a company structure set up. None of that. I didn't Mm -hmm. know about any of that. And I felt like I was making so much money. But at the end of the day, I actually only made 60 grand. And remember that job that I got offered was $200,000. So I was like, something, I'm doing something wrong because I'm working 24 hours a day. (laughs) Like if I'm awake, I'm working. And I have lots of clients. I know people want clients. Yeah. And I have a six-figure business and I know everybody wants a six-figure business because that's Mm -hmm. what they're Mm -hmm. signing up for. All those programs I didn't buy, bought none of them. Mm-hmm. So I got that thing. So I remember there was like three months in my life. It was the summer of 2014 where I said this sentence all the time. I just don't know what to do. I'm too successful to quit, but I'm not successful enough to keep going. Hmm. And I said that for about three months. I was like, who can help me? I'm yeah. like, I have way too many clients to quit. People would kill for this business and I can't pay my bills. Like my bills are 8,000 a month. I'm clearing 5,000 a month. Something's wrong. So breakthrough number two was meeting an amazing man named Kevin Nations. Kevin was my mentor. He still is a mentor to me, but was my mentor. And he taught me something I knew nothing about as a freelancer called business model. I didn't really know what a business model was. I didn't know I had a business model. And he explained to me that the model predetermined my outcome. Hmm. And so when we looked at my cost and my expenses and my time, it was very clear that the model I had wasn't ever going to work. And to fix my business, we had to fix my model. Now, I should say when I went to him, I was very jealous of all of the affiliate marketing campaigns I saw. Why is everybody promoting Brendan Bouchard? Why is everybody promoting Marie Forleo? My thing is good. Why isn't everybody promoting me? So when I reached out to my coach, who I ended up hiring, I thought what I asked him for was that he would help me build an affiliate business so that Mm. other people would send emails about how great I was. Yeah, yeah. And instead, what he taught me was I learned about things like lifetime value of a client. And I learned about things like 
cost of acquisition for a client and really understanding profit and loss. I just thought I'll just get a couple famous people to send an email about me and that will solve all my problems. But he's like, that's <laughs> yeah. going to make your problem worse. We know when you get a client, you're not making enough money yeah. from each client. Right. That's not the problem we're trying to solve. Yeah. Right. I had the problem wrong. And luckily he's a good enough coach that he let me hire him. I hired him and I thought I was hiring an affiliate marketing coach. Yeah. And he never told me I wasn't because he knew that he could help me. And if he told me what he really did, I wouldn't yeah. have hired him. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Probably not. And honestly, though, Angela, props to you for being willing to listen. Because a lot of people at that point would have just been like, oh, that's not what I want. And then would have fired him and went and gotten somebody to help them with the other thing that they did. So props to you for actually listening to what the coach actually had to say to you. Since this is Build Your Network, I want to ask you how you got that relationship. How did you initially get introduced or meet him? Where did that relationship come about? Yeah, I asked everyone I knew. So I had just a network from my other books that I'd done. So through LinkedIn and through Facebook and just calling. And I just kept saying that one sentence. I'm too successful to quit, not successful enough to survive. Who can help me? Like, who is the coach I can go to? I said, I know a lot of coaches that can help you start a business, but I don't know anyone who can get you what I was making 200,000 and I wanted to make 400,000. So I'm like, who can help me double a six figure business? Who can mm -hmm. take me from 200 to 400? And it was really hard to find someone. It took me three months of asking. I probably asked 30 people, but I will say that Kevin was referred by three different people in my network, hmm. none of whom were connected. One was like an old SEO guy. I did a book for Microsoft and he had worked on Microsoft and he recommended him. And then another was somebody I did a life coaching certification with. And then the third person was this stranger who I had never talked to, who I posted a question like in a Facebook group. And this woman replied and yeah. they were like three people from three different parts of my life, not touching. And all of them said, Kevin. And that was a big part of why I at least talked to him. About Ended up hiring him. him. Yeah, sure. Okay. So 2014 quarter million, but not making a lot of money yourself, not pocketing in a lot of money. You hire a coach. What is 2015? What does 2016 look like? Yeah. 2015 was a million. Oh, really? Um, wow. So, so you went from quarter million to a million in a year. Yep. And then that year took home about 250. I was still, gotcha. I started paying myself a salary that year too. Nice. My got the salary, LLC set up. Yep, yeah. Did all that. Yeah. Got, I, I think we even did like an S Corp and okay, all cool. the fancy stuff. Then the next year we did 3 million. And wow. that's when we moved into a castle started doing my events in a castle on the Potomac River. And then that's where we moved and we lived. The next year I did 6 million. That's when we hit the Inc. 500 list and started flying private. That was good. Kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> kind of, just a little fun. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> and the next year we did 10 million. And then last year in 2019, we did 15. And this year we'll probably do closer to 10. So we do have an in-person live event business with two locations now. So we have the castle and then we have the academy in the heart of Georgetown. Both of our venues have been shut down. We've had to rebuild our whole product suite, realign our whole team. Yeah. It's been kind of a crushing year for us. So we'll probably be 
down 50% or so on revenue this year. Yeah, well, I mean, props to you, Angela, for jumping in and figuring this game out. And that kind of growth is just insane to have in a service-based business like the one that you have with live events and stuff. And with that like lean of a team, everything that you've accomplished is absolutely amazing. I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you've done. And it's such a cool experience too to be in that author world because your impact is not just with the clients that you serve. Your impact gets to be on hundreds of thousands or millions of people who read the books that you help get out into the world, which has to feel absolutely amazing. I do want to ask you this question, Angela, because it is the one that I ask every single guest that's ever come on the show. You know, the show's all about networking. So this is usually the, the question that I ask to get that conversation headed in the right direction. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? What a great question. It's both. And I think a lot of it has to do with personality. I just want to say, I think there are people who are naturally relationship oriented and naturally more transactional. Mm -hmm. And I am naturally more transactional. I'm on the autism spectrum. I'm not amazing at relationships. I'm an introvert. My best relationships are with books. And I will say many of my biggest successes have to do with connections. And even in terms of hiring, like being able to get to connected to the right hiring pools has helped me. You know, certainly coaches I've worked with have been game changers and very important to me. I'm an amazing student and I always do what my coaches tell me. I give them lots of money and then I listen to them, which is my biggest advice to everybody. Hire a coach, pay them lots of money, then actually do what they say. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really important caveat. Yeah, yes, you have to do it, um, which I'm awesome at. For me personally, I think, you know, it's probably 75% what you know, 25% who you know. Most of it, it's probably 80-20 the other way. But I think a lot of it is personality. And I think for everybody, it's a combination. Certainly, I would not be where I am without my network. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing answer. I've asked that question to, you know, I don't know, 250, 300 people or so on the show. And that's the first time I've gotten one that's based on personality. But I have to agree with you to a certain extent because that you have to be able to know what your strengths are and play to them. And like we talked about at the very beginning of all of this, the only reason you had the freelance business to kind of build a foundation on to begin with is because of how good you were at what you did, which got you introductions to other people that brought the opportunities to the table. So definitely more than one way to get it done. So Angela, can you tell us a story besides the one we've already kind of talked about with Kevin. A story about a time when maybe you met somebody, you were introduced to somebody, you built a relationship with somebody that you had absolutely no idea would have a larger impact on you later on. And it ended up having that large impact on you later on. I got a good one for you. Okay, awesome. awesome. I have to be a little covert because this particular person is extremely private Okay. and very well known. So I will call this person Mr. X. Okay. Uh, so use your imagination if you're listening. Just yeah, fill in the blank exactly. with whatever you want. Yeah. So I mentioned that I was on the internet very early and there wasn't much to do on the internet very early, but I was into a band called Crowded House. They're an Australian band. Their famous song is Don't Dream It's Over. So some people know them because of that song. And there were Finheads, fans of this band who used to trade tapes, actual tape trading. And there was a guy and we just it was like a bulletin board. It's like old fashioned websites where people would list what tapes they had. You'd list what tapes and then 
someone who wanted one of your tapes would look at your list and then they would tell you which one of your tapes and you put the tapes in the mail, you'd make copies on your tape recorder and put them in the mail. Oh my God, early 90s, here we go. <laughs> and this guy I wanted to trade tapes with, he had the Newcastle show. Very exciting, exclusive, rare tape. And I'll take your word for it. Uh-huh, very exciting. <laughs> and he picked one of my tapes, whatever the hell it was, and we traded addresses and it turned out his address was right across the street from that famous New York Times bestselling author that I got my very first job with. So I wrote back to him on old fashioned email. My email address was evo47x at circ.gwiz.gwu.edu. It was like all the fashioned the internet date. And I wrote back to him and I said, this is so weird. I'm across the street. Let's bring our tapes tomorrow and we'll go to lunch at California Pizza Kitchen, which was like next door to his office, across the street from my office. And he said, yep, sounds good. I'll meet you there. And uh, you'll recognize me. I look like Richard Gere. And I was like, that is a douche. Yeah. Like, who the f- <laughs> says that? So you recognize I me. I look it. like one of the most best looking men in the entire right. world. Yeah. I mean, who says I'll stand that? out. Yeah. Also, also things he said to me was, that I'm like, where did you go to school? Because I had just graduated from college. It was very interesting to me. He was my yeah. And I'm like, where'd you go to college? He said, all the Ivy League schools that start with the letter C. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, that I need to Google that, but there was yeah. no Google. You you also might recognize my winning smile. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so anyway, so I meet this guy for lunch and he had just been served with divorce papers from one of the most famous women in the world right now. Hmm. And she was not famous then. So we have this whole lunch talking about this very famous person. And he's devastated. He's getting a divorce. Nobody plans on that. But they had a trip planned to Turkey. And he was like, what am I going to do with these tickets for my trip to Turkey? And I said, well, I'm going to see Crowded House in New Zealand. Why don't you come with me to New Zealand? I literally had known this guy for five minutes. So we end up going to New Zealand. Really? Meet the band. We spend weeks in New Zealand seeing all the shows. We become very close friends. And this was all in 1994. And we are lifelong friends, still to this day, very good friends. But he is one of the most successful business people and has been my kind of ace in the hole, secret mentor this whole time. I worked for him. He did several startups and I did books. I ran the first ever in the history of the internet search engine marketing campaign. Um, In 1998, it was for a company called GoTo that was part of the Idea Lab portfolio and got hooked up with that gig through him. Learned everything I know about internet marketing at the beginning from working with him. Ran some of the first SEO campaigns ever. Really cut my teeth and was able to survive as a writer by doing extra work for him. Then I was doing a bunch of books and I was ghostwriting for him. So we were able to use his name on a bunch of books that I did at the early 2000s. So it feels like we've had nine lives together. I thought I was just going to trade some tapes with him. We've probably made, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars together. We've worked on... 
at least 10 projects, lifelong friendship. And at the end of the day, we both still love Crowded House. So from trading tapes in the early 90s. That is one of the best stories that we've had on the show, Angela. So props to you. Another awesome story. That's amazing. That just goes to show you, though, the power of getting to know other people on purpose and the power of getting to know other people on purpose who have certain things in common with you. In this case, a band that you both happen to like. You know what I mean? Like just little things like that where you have something in common with somebody that can lead to this awesome relationship that's flourished over the last couple of decades. It's such an amazing story to to end on. Uh, We are running out of time here. So I do want to move on to the last segment, something I like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Let's go. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Well, nothing feels fun these days, but I've always wanted to be a casting director on Broadway. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? Right now, Nietzsche. How do you like to consume content? I think I know the answer to this one. Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos. And then tell me one of your favorites of the one that you chose. Well, books for sure. And let's see, my favorite has to be Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love, which is a must read for everybody on the planet, I Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I have a very specific morning routine. So I always wake up and meditate before I get out of bed. I'm in bed and I just like sit up in bed, but before I actually leave my bed. And then really, I... Really quick to before you go into that, what, what does the meditation look like for you? Is there like a certain thing that you do or... Yeah, so for me, I like no noise, no music. Uh, it's just about quieting my mind. Hmm. And I find if I do like... A guided meditation, it actually just spins me out and spins me up. So it's just about clearing my head for the day and being open to receiving any guidance, just sort of letting go of anything from the past, being fresh for the day. It feels like inbox zero for my brain. Cool. Awesome. Just 20 minutes. And it's just 20 minutes to get my head screwed on straight in the morning. Then I take a shower. And after I take a shower, I listen to a podcast. And almost always, it's a business podcast and usually gives me an idea for the day. And then when I have my morning meeting with my team, a lot of times I'll share one of the ideas from that podcast. So. Those are my main get my head screwed on straight activities before I check email. Um, I I don't have email or Facebook on my phone. I do take my phone to bed and I look it in the morning because that's where I play podcasts from and I will look at the news, but I like to save email and social media for my computer. And then I use my phone for texting for Slack. I do do Mm. Slack on my phone, but texting, Slack, and news and podcasts are what I use my phone for. And then email and social media is what I use my computer for. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh my God. Okay. It's Bruno Mars and the Don't Believe Me Just Watch. Oh, Uptown Funk. Uptown Funk. I feel like like we're playing a game right now. (laughs) I really, really know it. And it's that line, don't believe me, just watch. Whenever (laughs) I want to quit, whenever I'm just Mm. like, "Mm, don't believe me, just watch. Yeah, love that. What is something that you are not very good at? Oh, I did sort of confess it earlier, but I'm not great at the people thing. People Mm. is not. You could have fooled me, Angela. You could have fooled me. (laughs) 
as we get everything wrapped up here, what is one place online where people can go to connect with you the most? Awesome. Theauthorincubator.com, T-H-E, authorincubator.com. There's a happenings tab. That's got my blog and all the social media connections, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Perfect. So theauthorincubator.com. Head over there, check out some of the things that Angela's put out. She's put out five best-selling books as well. So go check some of those out. And uh, I know that you're going to appreciate all the things that you find from her. You've obviously heard this conversation and uh, know that whatever she touches turns to gold because of all the hard work that she puts into it. So Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was really an awesome conversation. I had a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for having me. Me too. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.